I believe that God has a word for each one of us this morning. Are you excited to hear from Him? Yes. You excited to be with Him? Yes. Good. You excited to be with each other? Yes. Good. Good. I'm glad for that. So um, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced amnesia. Um, I don't think that I have, although some people have accused me of selective amnesia. In fact, there's an ongoing um, uh, prayer in our home uh, that both my wife and I pray. We ask the Lord to give us a machine that allows us to record everything so that we can rewind it and find out who is right. I think it's called Alexa right now. I think she's recording everything. It's funny, I'll have a conversation with Lori about something, and all of a sudden, you know, my feed just is full of those kind of things. But anyways, maybe we prayed for something we didn't want. But I don't know if anyone in here has experienced amnesia, but we've all seen it on television, and amnesia does not work like in TV. People don't get amnesia and just all of a sudden forget their identity, right? I don't know who I am. Oh, let's figure it out. It's a big mystery, and we have an hour-long television program or something that tries to figure it out. But the way amnesia works usually is either you have amnesia that causes you to forget memories, it's a memory issue, or it causes you to not be able to have new memories. Like you can't retain new information. Now I'm not an expert in this, I just read the Google. And what I, what I know about amnesia is this, that it's usually caused by some type of trauma, either an ongoing trauma of some type of uh, substance abuse, or some type of... Uh, trauma to a part of our head, like we get smacked upside the head. Sometimes it's psychological in nature and we use it as a, our bodies or our our minds use it as a um, coping mechanism so something that's painful or traumatic that we went through doesn't come up. And I'm not trying to preach this message to trigger anybody, but I want to say this, spirit or physical amnesia usually causes us not to lose our identity but to lose our memory. But I believe there's something spiritual about that experience of amnesia. There's something called spiritual amnesia. And it's not something that's unique to our generation. It can be caused by trauma, where we go through something spiritually and we forget who God is, and we forget what God has done for us, and we forget who we are in Christ. But spiritual amnesia also works kind of in the long term, where we get lulled into just forgetting who God is, based on experiences that we're going through, based on, on, on the regular life that just kind of takes over, that we spend all kinds of time investing in, we find ourselves forgetting two of the most powerful things that God has given us. That's an understanding of who he is and who we are. This morning I want to talk about spiritual amnesia because the truth is this, we, our, our nation and the world is going through unprecedented times. Whether you believe that it's virus-related or man-made or a combination of both, here's what I am saying. The, the world is going through unprecedented times spiritually. The enemy is raging, and we are experiencing it. But here's the thing. It's not that new. What we're experiencing right now in our nation has been experienced, and in our lives and in the world, has been experienced throughout time by almost every culture. Because this is a constant battle for identity. The enemy is always interested in us not knowing who we are. God is always interested in us knowing who we are and knowing who he is. And there's a, there's a battle happening, and it's not so much a battle between the enemy and the Lord, because there is really no comparison. It's not like 
the devil wakes up and puts on his gloves and is like, hey, let's go, Jesus. Come on, I'm going to take you on. He knows that he's already defeated. He can't touch the Lord. But he comes after the Lord's creation, which is us. He comes after the people of God and the people who were created in God's image who don't know him yet. And he tries to get us to forget who we are and to forget who he is. And in that battle, he often succeeds. And it sounds like a lot of what we're experiencing right now. Let me read you something from 2 Timothy describing the conditions in the world that were in the first century. Here's what Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy, a leader. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now, understand this. We believe that we're living in the last days. Paul and Timothy believe they were living in the last days. And it's just illustrating simply that this has been going on for a long time. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act, listen to this, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. This is an absolute description of the way people behave when they forget who God is and who they are. In fact, it's very easy for people to even be looking religious, to be identified with God and even to identify themselves with Christ and to actually walk in such a way that they've forgotten their identity, they forgot what God has called them to. In fact, a little bit later in that same chapter, in that same book, Paul, writing to Timothy, says, listen, what happens is people like this, they start to weave their way into the church and they deceive. And he said, but he said women, and he was criticizing women who had too much time on their hands. Any women in here got too much time on their hands? All right, then you're all safe. I'm not talking to you, neither was, was Paul. Basically, and here's, here's where we all stand. We all have too much time on our hands. Most of us would be embarrassed if we pulled out our phones and showed the rest of the room how much screen time our phone recorded in the last week. We have too much time on our hands. And what Paul says is, listen, when that happens, people give themselves over to all kinds of weird doctrines and they get swayed by the world around them. And Paul says to Timothy, listen, it's so important for you to understand and know this is what we are fighting against because our identity gets ripped away. In fact, it's almost like magic because Paul mentions a few uh, verses later. He says it's literally like the example of when Jonas and Jambres oppose Moses. These are not names that you read in the Bible about Moses, but there are other books that talk about and, and legends and lore about the, these two men being magicians who opposed Moses when Moses was looking to free the people of Israel. In other words, Moses went before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. What was that? It was a declaration of allowing them or getting them back to the place where they knew their God and they knew their identity. Let my people go. They're my people. They belong to me. You need to let them go so they can live in the purposes that I created them for. 
And in that place, there was a spiritual contention between the, the, the voice of God, the declaration of God, the identity of God, bringing his people out of slavery and into their identity, and the declaration of sorcerers saying, no, we're going to keep you in this place. And so the legend is that these two men were the ones who came, they were, were, were magicians, they were sorcerers, they were wise men, and they came in, and they tried to demonstrate the same miracles that Moses demonstrated. When Moses threw his staff down and it turned into a serpent, they did the same thing. That's where we get these names. But what Paul, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, listen, it's not just a natural fight. It's not just you have some people that are misbehaving themselves. He's saying this is an ancient problem of identity that wars against the soul of every person every human being and so paul says to timothy a little bit later in verse uh 10 of chapter 3 he says but you timothy certainly know what i teach and how i live and what my purpose in life is you know my faith my patience my love and my endurance paul is in imploring Timothy, remember what I taught you about who I am. Remember what I taught you about the way that I live. Remember what I taught you about the purpose that I have in my life. Don't forget it. You certainly know what it is. But how many of you know if Paul is writing it to Timothy, it's because he needed a reminder. And if Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy, who represents his apostolic authority in that area, in that city as a sent one, how much more do we, the people of God, need a reminder of who God has made us to be? Of what our purpose in life is? Because it's a battle for our identity. We're fighting for our identity, and it's a constant battle. But if we forget who we are, then we're sunk. And I'm not talking about like, I'm a powerful woman, or I'm a man, let me tell you who I am. I'm talking about who God says we are. Because the truth is this, if you come into this place this morning, you are in a battle for your identity. If you're watching online, you're in a battle for your identity. Every human being who is alive right now is in a battle for their identity. And the enemy doesn't come to us and say, I'm going to challenge your identity in Christ. He comes to us and says, I want you to find your identity in something else. I want you to be distracted. I want you to be in fear. I want you to be in love. I want you to be uh, uh, passionate about something that isn't who God has created you to be. That's where the battle lies. And so he's here, the Lord is here this morning. Holy Spirit is here this morning. Jesus is interceding on our behalf to contend for your identity and mine in Christ. Because the, the enemy doesn't care where you find your identity. He doesn't care if you find it in being a Democrat or a Republican. As long as he has your identity there instead of in Christ, he wins. He doesn't care where we find our identity. If we find our identity in being a husband primarily over being a lover of Jesus, then we, we've missed it. If we find our identity in being a good mother over being the one that God has called us to be in the earth, not that we ought not to be a good mother, not that we ought to not be a husband, but we must find our primary identity in who Christ has called us to be. Otherwise, it is easy for us to forget who we are and who he's made us to be. 
And it's a battle that we're in on every day. The battle is on. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5 says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. What does that mean? There is a lot of reason and there's a lot of argument in what the enemy wants us to believe. It will sound plausible. Lots of people will agree with us. There are philosophies that you can give your life to that will seem like they're worthwhile because lots of people are along with you. But we have been called to fight with what? With God's mighty weapons. And as we do that, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to be obedient to Christ. Today we're going to start a series called Mighty. And the thesis or the theme of this series is going to be this. That God has given mighty weapons to his mighty people to see mighty kingdom advancement. Again, there's nothing new to the times that we are living in, but I also believe that there is something unique to the time that we're living in. This is an unusual time of realignment and repentance and revival. This is an unusual time. God is always in the business of repentance. God is always in the business of realigning our hearts. He's always in the business of bringing revival to us. But I sense there is a unique grace right now for God's people to encounter him in a way that redefines who we are and changes the way that we live the rest of our lives. That there's, there, there's literally, in, in this battle between the enemy and God's people, there, there, there's a fresh force pushing the kingdom forward like never before. There's a fresh grace. It's almost like the Spirit of God has gone ahead and taken ground and saying, come with me into this place so I can lead you into your purpose. It's not like there's really something new to do. The kingdom mandate has always been and is still upon us. But it's a rediscovery of what that mandate is and a re-engagement of God's people in living out that mandate. And the mandate is this, it's to make disciples. And I'm not talking about having good small groups or a better small group or more small groups. That is an important aspect of making disciples. But what God is identifying and leading us into and giving a kingdom mandate for right now in this time is that our hearts would be more aligned with him, that we would be disciples. Not just followers, not just hangers-on, not people that are here for the word and maybe a little bit of food and some good fellowship with other people, but we are here for the kingdom purpose that God has called us to, anointed us to, empowered us to, and that is to make disciples. We advance the kingdom of God by advancing it in human hearts, starting with our own and then those around us. And when we know who he is, and when we know who we are, then we know that we can walk in that purpose and God advances his kingdom in us. The battle gets won when we, when we are doing what God has called us to do. 
forcefully advancing the kingdom of God in our own hearts and in the hearts of those around us. And so we're going to talk about this through this series called Mighty. Because it starts with us. God is after our engagement, but he's so much more after our hearts. Listen, this isn't a message to get you geared up to do more in church. This is a message for our hearts to be captured by the Lord. Because most of us don't see ourselves as mighty. When we read that scripture, we use God's mighty weapons. We go, I don't even know what they are. Or I've tried them before and they don't seem very mighty to me. Or have you seen where I'm at right now? It doesn't look like I have access to any mighty weapons. God is saying he is realigning us to see what's really in our hands. Just like God said to Moses, what's in your hand? Moses says, just a staff. And God said, no, I want to show you how mighty my weapons are for the battle that you're about to fight. I want to do this by looking at the book of Judges this morning. I want to start the series with this. If you go with me to to Judges chapter 6, the book of Judges is a record of what we just read about in Timothy. It's a record of people forgetting who they are, forgetting who God is, and suffering the consequences and the cycle of what that looks like. In other words, God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. He brought them through the desert. He caused them to occupy and inhabit a land that he had set aside for them. And he warned them. He said, listen, when you get here, don't forget who I am. Don't forget what I've done. Don't forget what what I have given you and your purpose in being in this land as representatives of me. But Israel constantly forgot. They got oppressed. They got sucked in. they, They got enamored with the culture around them and they didn't see themselves as mighty because they had turned from God and they were constantly being invaded by enemies I want to read to you chapter starting in chapter 6 we're just going to read some scripture we're going to talk about what God has to say to us this morning Judges 6 1 the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years And the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in mountains and caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. And they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the donkeys... These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, and they arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. And so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites, and then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. They forgot who God was, and because they forgot who God was, they, were, they did not have their identity lived out. God had placed them in that land to demonstrate what it looked like for God to be good to a people, for a people to walk with God and to walk in his ways. And what was stolen from them? Literally their inheritance. Have you ever heard the the saying that when you sell your hay, you sell your land? Farmers say that. Whatever grows out of your land is, is supposed to be 
be able to be put back into la- that land. But when you take your hay and you sell it to somebody else, you're, you're taking away the livelihood of that land. You're, you're giving it away to someone else to raise cattle or someone else to use for seed or something else like that. In Israel, it was the same way. The Israelites, their land and the produce of that land was God's blessing upon them and their identity lived out. God said, you're going to a land flowing with milk and honey that has been designated for you. But when they forgot who they were they, or who God was, they also forgot who they were. They were not able to live in that legacy. And they were so not living in it that it wasn't just like they were in the land like, oh, this is really bad. They found themselves strongholds in caves. They were hiding from their identity lived out. Because it felt safer to go into those places than it did to say, no, this is who God has called us to be. Let's worship the Lord and watch how God defends us. And so we read here in verse 7, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of slavery. I rescued you from the Egyptians and all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I'm the Lord your God. You must not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. They for, he, the prophet comes. They're crying out to the Lord. God, what should we do? The prophet comes and says, you forgot who God was. God says, you forgot me and you forgot who you were. You forgot that I saved you from slavery. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah. Or Ophrah. Thank God it's not Oprah. Anyways. <laughs> Which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So not only do we have this picture of everybody doing this, we have this micro picture of Gideon hiding in a wine press, using a wine press for what it's not intended to be used for. He's threshing his grain so that he's hidden from the enemy. He's, that's not living out your destiny. It's eking out a living in a pit. And in many ways, the people of God, we have found ourselves eking out a living in a pit because we've forgotten who God is. And because we forgot who he is, we forget who we are. And we don't live with the boldness of the calling that God has. So for an agrarian people, the boldness of the calling would have been taking their animals wherever, threshing the grain out on on the places where the wind blew so that the, the threshing was actually getting somewhere where you would beat the grain and the chaff would blow away. Rather than going in a pit and trying to figure it out how to hide from somebody else. It is time for the people of God to come out of our pits, to come out of our caves, to step back into the worship of God and our identity to see the kingdom of God advance in our lives. And you might say, okay, the picture is really bad. The prophetic word was, you've messed it up. That's an easy prophetic word, by the way. Right? It's easy for a pastor to stand up and say, y'all are sinners. Repent. Because we know that's what we struggle with. It's easy for somebody to say, there's sin in the camp. Because there's always sin in the camp, right? Or to a prophet to say, gloom and doom. Because it's gloomy and it's doomy. But I want you to notice, I want you to notice a prophetic word that comes to, to Gideon. Gideon is hiding. Gideon is not fulfilling his destiny. And the prophetic word is this. 
Then the angel of the Lord says this. He appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Other versions say, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The word here, mighty, is this. It's, it's gibor. And some of you have noticed guys wearing shirts. Uh, Art has one on this morning. That's literally taken from this scripture. It says, Gibor Chayil, mighty man of valor, mighty warrior, mighty hero. We're going to look at that word throughout this series. What does it mean to be mighty, to be full of power and vigor and strength? And it can apply to all different kinds of things, militarily and and, and of character and of wealth. God has literally said, God comes to Gideon and says, you are mighty. And Gideon goes, what? Me? Why? Because Gideon had forgotten his identity. How do I know he forgot his identity? Look at the next verse. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We have forgotten that God is with us. The circumstances that Gideon is experiencing causes him to forget who God is. And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. We are not his. We don't have his blessing. We don't even know who we are. And the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Gideon had spiritual amnesia just like the rest of the people. Gideon had spiritual amnesia just like we do. We don't know who our God is. We forget. And we forget who we are. What he's done for us. He, for, he forgot who God was. Listen, here's the problem. He knew God because he had known what God had done, right? He said, where, where is this God that our ancestors keep talking about? There was evidence for his existence. There was an argument that could be made that God was real and that he actually did stuff in human history. But it wasn't a reality for Gideon. He had forgot who God was. The truth is this, he had probably heard the word of the prophet. Right, The prophet comes to the people of God and says, you forgot who God was, and so I've turned you over. Gideon's like, yeah, no kidding. So it wasn't like there wasn't, there, I mean, he's repeating what God has said. So he's heard the word of the Lord, but in that, even in hearing that word of the Lord, he has forgotten who he is. What does that mean? You and I can sit in, in the place where we are hearing God's voice on a regular basis and still forget who we are. It doesn't become actionable for us. It's something that's out there. It's something that's in our minds. It's something that maybe it's for somebody else, but it doesn't actually apply to our hearts because, God, you don't know the circumstance I'm under. Well, we never say that to him. Pastor, you don't know. And God is saying, you cannot forget me. The Lord is with you. The prophetic word to Gideon is the Lord is with you. Literally, in this word, the Lord is with him. A little bit later, you'll see that that Gideon sets up an altar of worship. You don't do that in the scripture unless God appeared to you. Many scholars believe that this was an appearance of Jesus Christ before he came in the flesh. 
This was God appearing to Gideon, saying, I want to talk to you about who, who you are. Literally, the Lord is there saying, he's saying, I'm with you, the Lord is with you. He's not only with him in, in, in presence right there, he's with him in the word. The declaration, like, we get to live out of the word of God. When we forget who he is, we need to go to his word to remind ourselves this is who God is. Everything that's recorded in his word about what he's done in the past is something that he wants to do right now in his people. The words that the Lord declares don't fall flat. The power that God has given to his people to, to, to live out and, and, and execute the mission of God is not for a couple centuries ago. Or the last revival, or, or in, the, in the times of Christ only. He's saying, listen, my, his word carries prophetic utterance that is alive for us today. The Lord is not just somewhere. He wasn't just somewhere. He didn't just do something for us. The Lord is currently with us. That's what his word says. And he's also not just with us in presence and not just with us in his word. He's with us in the execution of what he's called us to do. He is going with us. He's advancing with us. He is faithful to perform his word. We can trust him to do this. Gideon forgot who the Lord was, but he also forgot who he was. Our physical reality can often make us spiritually dull. Our physical reality is so, when it's not lined up with the word of God, is supposed to remind us that something's wrong. When we say, where is this God that our ancestors talk about, we should be saying, God, do it again. It's not like God has left his people. It's not like God is done with his mission in the earth. There's not an issue with God. He has not forgotten who he is. He has not lost power. He's not off mission He's not like some other God that's off going to the bathroom. No, literally, that's, or on vacation. That's what a lot of people believed. Some of us act like God has gone off on vacation. And God's saying, it's time for my people to remember. To remember, based on, like if your circumstances stink right now, great. Seriously, great. So let that, let that annoyance, let that suffering, let that brokenness drive you to the place where you say, God, I need you now. Not where is the God of my ancestors, I'm going to go hide in a pit and wait till he shows up, but continually seek after him. Because if we seek after him, he will be found, he says. Tells us that something is wrong. So the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. And what does... Gideon say, he says, he forgets who he is. He says, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So he's saying, listen, out of all these tribes that have lived in the land, like, we're the, we're the, we're the least, we're the smallest, we're the weakest. There is nothing mighty about us. And he's saying, in fact, not only that, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm in a pit. Like, I'm the weakest among my tribe. The problem with that is Gideon had forgotten who God had said he was. There are two times in scripture where the patriarchs prophesy over the tribe that Gideon is from, the tribe of Manasseh. It's one of the two sons of Joseph. In other words, 
there's Ephraim and Manasseh. They're two tribes. They're the sons of Joseph. The sons of uh, Isaac were the ones who constituted the 12 tribes. But the, half tri- or the tribes of Joseph became the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Ephraim. And Gideon was of the tribe of Manasseh. I want you to hear what the word of the Lord says about his tribe. What was the prophetic utterance? What was the purpose with which God said? So we're going to read the the last words of two people. We're going to read read the last words of Jacob, and we're going to read the last words of Moses. This this is Jacob saying, God has given us a promise. We're, We're going to get to that land eventually, and here's what God is going to do through you, my sons. He brings Joseph's sons together, and he says this. He says, Joseph, this is Genesis chapter 49, Uh, if you're taking notes. Joseph is the foal of a wild donkey. The foal of a wild donkey at spring. One of the wild donkeys on the ridge. Three times you're a wild donkey. Can I tell you what I wanted to title this message when I preached it for for the men? Do you guys remember what I want? Actually, it wasn't what I wanted to title. It was what I wanted to put on the shirts for that retreat. I wanted to have a donkey kicking on a shirt, and I wanted to say, Wild ass sons. I'm just, I'm just telling you what, what scripture says. Like think, think, about, think about a donkey that's just kicking, doing whatever it's want. Whatever it wants. Jacob is blessing. At the very end of his life, he gathers all his sons together. And this is the specific blessing. Not only, not only, he blessed everybody, but this is the very specific blessing. It wasn't just like an old man saying, hey, I lived a good life. Uh, you're, you're kind of a wild dude. He's saying, no, this is what your prophetic destiny is. When you get to the land, when you live out your calling, you're going to be a bunch of wild ass sons. He says this, archers attacked him savagely. They shot at him and harassed him. But, his bow remained taut, and his arms were strengthened. It doesn't say that when the Midianites come, you're going to be attacked and you're all going to shrink back. He says you're going to stand strong. By the hands of the mighty, one of Jacob. This is not the same word mighty, it's avir, which is unique to God. But he's saying the mighty one of Jacob is going to be your strength. By the shepherd, the rock of Israel, may the God of your father help you and may the Almighty bless you. So instead of finding his place in a rock, in a pit, he should find his place on the rock. And so should we. May the Almighty bless you and the blessings of heaven above and the blessings of the watery depths below and the blessings of the breast and the womb. May the fatherly blessings on you surpass the blessings of my ancestor, reaching to the height of the eternal hills. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph, who is a prince among his brothers. Look, do you hear the prophetic destiny that he's speaking over Gideon's people and Gideon? And then Moses gathers all the tribes as he's about to die, and he blesses the people. Moses said this about the tribes of Joseph. May their land be blessed by the Lord with the precious gift of dew from the heavens and water from beneath the earth, with the rich fruit that grows in the sun and the rich harvest produced each month, and with the finest crops of the ancient mountains and the abundance from the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its bounty and the favor of the one who appeared in the burning bush. Don't forget who you are and whose you are. May these blessings rest on Joseph's head, crowning the brow of the prince among his brothers. Joseph has the majesty of a young bull. He has the horns of a wild ox. 
He will gore distant nations even to the ends of the earth. This is my blessing for the multitudes of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. These are very unique and special blessings. This is literally what the Lord said. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The, the tribe of Manasseh was supposed to push everybody else out. They were supposed to be so mighty and so strong that everybody else had to yield before them, not, being yield, not have to yield to the masses that come against them. They were supposed to enjoy their identity. The crops were supposed to just be so abundant that the favor of God was evident upon all of them. Don't forget who you are and whose you are. And this is such a powerful blessing that literally the Jews still bless their children every Sabbath day with this blessing. Every Sabbath. Still, for thousands and thousands of years, the same blessing is given to the children. Here's what it says. In Genesis chapter 48, verse 20, this is the blessing that Jewish people pronounce over their children every Sabbath. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. They will say, may God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Listen, it's a prophetic utterance of the purpose of God that Gideon had forgotten. But see, you and I have a prophetic purpose as well. And if we don't forget who he is, and we don't forget who we are, we will walk in that prophetic purpose. You can read it all over the New Testament, but I have one scripture I want to read about it. 1 Peter 2, 9-13. through But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very soul. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God who judges the world. He says, the Lord is with you. Therefore, what does he say? Go in the strength that you have. It is time for the people of God to rediscover who our dad is in his power, in his authority, in his majesty, to bring to bear his word upon our circumstance. To stop letting every other thing capture our attention and worship him alone. He is purifying his church right now because he wants to fill his church with his power to see his kingdom come like it's never come before. But we've got to see him for who he is. We cannot forget. The second thing is we have to not forget who we are. Listen, each one of you is a mighty warrior. Your prophetic destiny is as a people, as a possession of God. And he's not called you to go in my strength or the strength that you think others have. He's called you to go literally right now with the strength that he's given you now. It's not like, oh, I need to spend some more time seeing who he is and seeing who I I, I am. Just stop and say, God, you are who you say you are. 
God, I'm your child, your son, your daughter. I'm full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. I've been given a call and a mission, and with every call and mission comes the power of God to see that mission advance. So let your kingdom come in my life and in the life of others around me. Let your kingdom be advanced powerfully. It was good when we talked about God. There's, I just want to stay here for a second. There's a disconnect. We're all, yes, God, you're powerful. Yes, you're mighty. Listen, we have got to transition from God, you are powerful and mighty, and hold that and not let go of it, but we've got to understand that because he's with us, we are mighty too. That's where the disconnect is happening. And we've got to make that connection again so that we can live as he's called us to live. Otherwise, we're going to walk around like a mopey bunch of people watching the world happen around us and hiding our faith and the purposes of God in us. So let me ask you this. What's, what's your pit today? What, what, it really doesn't matter what the enemy has done. For, just close your eyes for a minute. It doesn't matter what the enemy has done to you. It doesn't matter how much he's raged around you. It doesn't matter how much he's stolen from your family, from your business, from whatever. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world right now. It doesn't even really matter where you find yourself today. Don't say, well, pastor, I'm in a pit, so I'm just like Gideon. It doesn't matter if you're in a pit. It doesn't matter if you're hiding in a cave. It doesn't matter really if you have gone after other gods, because today, this moment, is the time that God has brought us together to hear his word about who he is and who we are, and to say yes to it. Not to try to figure it all out, There's time for that. You can read the rest of Judges in the story of Gideon to figure out how to do that. But what it is is, God, I will hear you for who you say I am right now, and I will respond right now. I will take action based on who you are and what you've told me right now without figuring out I'm ready to go. Today is your go. Where is God calling you to get in the game? Where is your place of battle? Where has your identity been stolen? If you're willing to do something about it, I just want to encourage you right now as we close our service to stand. If you're watching us online, if you're able to, I encourage you right now as a physical response to the word of the Lord, to remember who he is and who you are, would you stand? Some of you stood because, I'm just going to go there, you stood because other people were standing. You should probably sit back down and stand up more forcefully if you really mean it. I'm just, I'm not telling you to embarrass yourself, I'm just saying, listen, it's time for the people of God to rise up with, with with a righteous no more. And that can be scary, that can be intimidating, that could be something like, I don't know. Listen, God is saying today, he is here, and he's with us, and we're mighty to do what he's called us to do in him. You belong to the Lord. And you, are, you have been given everything you need to accomplish his purpose in your life, to see his kingdom advance. God, we stand before you, ready for your word to be lived out. We stand before you saying yes to your word, to who you are and who we are.
We receive that designation as mighty men and women of valor. Mighty men and women who are heroes. Mighty men and women of character and a purpose. Mighty men and women of your agenda. Lord, let your kingdom come like never before as we remember who you are and we remember that we belong to you. In Jesus' name.